Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. I am joined today with a group of amazing autism parents, and we are going to talk today about how we handle dirty looks in public, because Lord knows if you have a child with autism, you are going to have an outburst or a situation in public where you're going to gain public uh, input or just attention, no less. So the first thing I'm going to ask for all of my participants here today, and they'll introduce themselves when they first begin speaking, is give us an example of a time where you got dirty looks in public. I'm David. This was actually my introduction to the fact that uh, Morgan had autism and my denial was over. My wife was on top of it for eight, 18 months. We were in Yosemite Valley and we were in a portion of the valley where we had to go meet up with uh, other members of the family. And there was a shuttle bus that was coming to pick us up. We get on the bus and Morgan just decides the bus is not okay for whatever. And we had never had this experience. And we get inside and she is just screaming bloody murder. Long story short we had to go about six stops which seemed like 600 miles in this circumstance and she is shaking and writhing in my arms as this is going on and I am just looking around and I have no explanation for anybody you know I haven't I haven't really wrapped my mind around this concept anyway and so now it's just complete embarrassment because this is my first experience with it so we and the driver bless her heart is trying to make me feel better but i was getting more angry with her like you know don't tell me that you know what i'm dealing with because you know just it was irrational i'm irrational she's irrational and so we finally get to the end of the bus ride we get off the bus and she completely rallies and says bye bus and i'm like oh no you don't I'm like, are you kidding me after what you just put me through here and it was funny because at that point i let my mother-in-law and morgan kind of walk ahead meg and i walked behind and i kind of said okay i have to admit that there's an issue here <laughs> you know i didn't want to you always say oh they're gonna break out of it they'll be you know they're just a little delayed and that kind of thing i couldn't deny it anymore but it was a really good introduction to what i might face down the road because that was my first experience with it hi i'm Geraldine. Um, my son Elian is 11 now, but I would say probably one of the most memorable dirty looks that we ever got was getting a haircut. And unfortunately that continues to this day. I remember when he was about four years old, we went to the mall because a friend of ours cuts hair and she also has a son with autism and she knew how to cut his hair. Well, she hasn't met my son yet. <laughs> and he decided that I hate haircuts. Like. He doesn't like his ears being touched. He was screaming bloody murder. And of course we're in the mall. So as people walk by, they're like, is somebody getting killed in there? I mean, who's being tortured? I mean, what kind of beatings are they giving to that child? Because he's a small, tiny little thing, but he is strong and he is loud. I have to say, that's when you have in your moment, you're thinking small security is going to come because you're abducting the child or you're abusing them or something. So you're literally waiting for like mall security to come and be like, hey, what are you doing to that kid? Right. So exactly. I mean, he was very dramatic about it. And, you know, that's one of the struggles that we still have to this day are haircuts. But, um, yeah, I've never had that many people just look at me like I'm beating my kid. 
I will personally share, because I can, because, you know, I'm Holly with the Isaac Foundation. When Isaac, my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, when he was little, one of our biggest challenges was Walmart. And it was a lot of that bleep, 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 bleep. It was just like, just awful. So it didn't matter what we did. We walked in the door and it was just, you could pretty much be guaranteed it was just going to be Meltdown City. One of the strategies that I had was, while he hated Walmart, the one thing he did love was McDonald's French fries. So at this time in our hometown, um, there was a McDonald's uh, branch inside the Walmart. So literally I would walk in the door and I would go to the McDonald's. I would order like two large orders of French fries. And literally I would just feed him French fries throughout the entire Walmart trip just to keep him happy. Right. And so that was kind of one of our things. And that was how we kind of transitioned. But I tell you what, the dirty looks were, and they were mostly from elderly people who seemed to think that, you know, I was just maybe a remiss parent in like disciplining my child. And so you have to have that grace. You have to have that, um, you know, you don't understand what I'm, what I'm having to deal with. And you, you know, instead of just giving a what for, it's just better to hold your tongue and move on. But now let's fast forward 11 years and I was back in Walmart and I actually, my son Caleb wasn't with me this day, but I was um, shopping and I realized I forgot my debit card. And I was telling my son, Tyler, we can make it out of here. I have enough gift cards. Like I think that if I calculate it correctly, I think we can get out of here and we won't have to just leave our basket and go home to get my purse. And he's like, no, I don't want to risk it. It would be too humiliating. And lo and behold, my mother walks into Walmart that particular moment. So I was like, this is fantastic. Hey, mom, will you spot us? Just like stand with us like while we go through the checkout in the event we exceed what my gift cards are. Would you just spot us and just cover the difference? And she says, yeah, no problem. So. Unfortunately for us that particular day, we got in line of a new person that was just learning the ropes. And it was painfully long in terms of her learning the ropes and doing this. And there was a family behind us and they had a little guy in a, in a shopping cart and he just hit his max and he just started freaking out. And I just said, kind of jokingly, oh man, buddy, yes. That is exactly how I feel on the inside right now. But as an adult, I don't get to do that. So I'm just, you know, but yes, yep. You know, fist bump, buddy. Yep, that's how I'm feeling. And my mother who's standing next to me says, that's why they have bathrooms without cameras to deal with situations like that. And I completely lost my shit with my own mother because I then had to remind her, you know what? Let's back up all those 11 years ago when you used to have to come with me to Walmart and I would have to struggle through grocery shopping with him freaking out and all the people that treated me poorly while I was shopping. And for you to make that judgment, not knowing what the circumstance is for that child is just like mind boggling for me. So you need to just not talk to me. In fact, actually, you can just leave. I don't even want like if I'm over, I'll just walk away from my own grocery cart at this point because I was so upset that my own mother would have forgotten the struggles that we had experienced 11 years ago with Isaac, who had you know, significant challenges. And so that's one of those moments where you're like, wow, how quickly we off often forget. So that was my experience. And unfortunately, you know, my mom didn't really like my reaction, but you know, it needed to be said. I'm Christine and my son is 11. And while I have a story of dirty looks when my son freaked out in a JCPenney's and was on the floor flailing and screaming and having a fit. The moments that stand out more for me are now that he's a little bit 
older and when we go to places like Walmart or Costco or anywhere else at almost five foot tall and over a hundred pounds, he wants to get inside the cart and just be on his iPod. The looks I get are, why is this older child in the cart? And they're looking at me like I'm some indulgent parent who just lets their kid be on their iPod all the time. And what I want to scream to the world is this is such an uncomfortable place for my son with the people and the smells and the absolute inundation of stuff that for him to just be on his iPod in the cart while I push him around is what allows us to get through the grocery store or Costco or whatever it is without him having a meltdown. It's not always, you don't always get the looks because they're freaking out. You get the looks because it's like you don't win. You can't win if they're having a hissy fit and you can't win if they're just being different and calm in a cart because that's what you have to do to get through the store. You can also get those dirty looks when it's just like, oh my gosh, that mom just lets her kid be on his iPod 24 seven and he can't even walk through the grocery store and look how big he is. Why is he still sitting in a cart? Cause I mean, no joke. I mean, my kid is huge and he's crawling into a cart and they're talking, you know, they're telling me, well, it's not really safe for him to be in the cart and I'm like, Trust me, it's better that he be in the cart than it be walking around and, you know, have a meltdown because something in the deli smells disgusting. He loses his mind. So my name is John, and uh, my son is uh, 15 now, and um, he is uh, low-functioning, uh, nonverbal, um, a great kiddo, but uh, oftentimes... Um, social nuances to him are, are not something he, he really grasps. So we worked like a devil to get to where he would be used to uh, going to the airport. And then we went to a, a, to get onto the plane. And And I know that uh, one of our panelists here, her, her husband's a pilot, so he could probably appreciate this. It took some it took some doing to get him used to get him into a big metal tube that's going to fly in the sky. So we uh, got on a plane and went to Orlando, Florida, uh, to Disney World. And... Uh, had a great time. We're met by the staff who immediately took us in and said, uh, so your son is disabled or uh, needs a special pass. We want to see what's wrong with him. I said, well, as soon as I walked in the room with him, they were immediately um, greeted by Cooper, who immediately ignored all of them and continued to look around the room, and they understood exactly what was going on. So they had no problems with giving us a pass. So long story short, we get to Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Cooper had been taught to, uh, he was potty trained at this point, and uh, he decided that uh, he needed to go to the bathroom. And Pirates of the Caribbean is, after all, a water ride. And he had peed in uh, bodies of water for a good portion of his life, us being outdoor folks. So Cooper whips his pants down and starts peeing in the, uh, in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean uh, water ride. So... I'm looking around and I'm not even, I'm kind of oblivious to it myself. And I see people across the aisle in a different line pointing at us and laughing. And I look down and sure enough, there he is. Well, I'm like, well, I just kind of had to wave, grin and bear it. And Cooper finished his business and uh, that was kind of the end of it. But 
Uh, I will say that uh, probably provided some comic relief for those folks at that particular time, but uh, none more than his family that was around. Again, the looks don't necessarily have to be dirty looks because your kid is having a meltdown. It can be for any number of reasons. And truly, you just have to learn to have all sorts of grace and a sense of humor, a sense of humor beyond all imagination for just the stuff that you're going to have to deal with in public. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is awesome, though. That's fantastic. John, I'm so glad you shared that because my son did that at Red Robin here in town. He had just got back from camping over the summer, and so he had to learn how to pee in the woods. And, you know, he took that to his normal life. You know, Red Robin is his favorite restaurant. We were waiting outside with our little buzzer trying to get in, and he couldn't wait till he got in. So some of the other people who were waiting outside with us were pointing at him. I'm like, oh, crap, that's my kid being in the bush in front of Red Robin. So, you know, we've all been there. You know what, though? As a parent, you go way to generalize your learning. That is generalization. Perfect. Taking his skills to a different yeah, setting. You know, awesome. the woods of Alaska, Red Robin in the town. The bushes of Red Robin. The bushes of Red Robin. We're talking about not only what happens, but then how are we supposed to deal with when we're in these scenarios. And the things that have crossed my mind as I've listened to you guys is A, the generation I come from, and when you talk about the older people, corporal punishment was a thing. So they're looking at it because, you know, I'm a product of that. And they're looking at it like, why aren't you just? And I mean, sometimes they even tell my daughters, oh, if you did that in front of my parents. <laughs> um, and then two, honestly, the acceptance of autism also creates this in that in the past, we didn't even have a name for this. And it was like, Generally, I think the diagnosis was that kid ain't right. Um, but now it's like we have an acceptance of this, which is great. And we learn to accept people's situations and we're getting them involved in more and more things. But this is kind of the natural consequence of it, too, is that now that you're out there more, people that aren't educated on it kind of have to get a crash course or they don't. So my better self tries to look at that as I kind of observe the looks that we're getting or the things that you talk about. Morgan can't go to a restaurant without having my phone. You know, oh, the accommodations you're making for her. And my worst self wants to say, well, she has autism. What's your excuse? You know, um, yeah, and, right? seriously, yeah. as we talked about before, you know, the best parents are the ones that don't have kids. Pe you know, people who have kids, but they're typical kids like, well, this is how we deal with that with our kids. So that solution should work for every kid. It's like, I understand where you're coming from, but you have no idea what we're dealing with. Just like when we talk about Morgan's dietary limitations. Oh, yeah, my kid doesn't like broccoli. I'm like, yeah, it so correlates to the fact that, yeah, to the fact, yeah, it's so much the same that she eats egos for every meal. But yeah, I, I know what you're going through. I sympathize. So, you know, I really want to get petty and some days... I mean, I've actually gone over in my head. I've uh, rehearsed the interaction I'm going to have with that person that one day when I'm not my better self. But I think sometimes I have to just be my better self, which is tough. Like you said, we grew up in a time when, when people insulted folks we cared about, then how did we solve it? Oftentimes it wasn't necessarily in a verbal a spar. Verbal it was it was with the things that God gave us, right? And, and the thing of it is, is that sometimes it gets frustrating to the point where you feel like, you know, you're, you're calling this person out. And... I think sometimes 
I feel like an ass after that. Well, and I think that's, that is a great segue into the next question, which is, you know, given the opportunity to go back and change your response, like how would you do it differently? And obviously I'm a product of, you know, I just, I gave my my mother a what for, and I have to be honest, like our relationship is really not that great since then. Um, And so, you know, I think back, you know, okay, Holly, probably not the best thing that you could have said to your mother. Um, you know, so going back, there's definitely, I would have worded it or handled it different. My message would still be the same because I really feel like it's so easy for us to forget the shoes that those, you know, people are walking in and the circumstances. And so it's really easy to make judgments. Um, you know, I, and I think probably too, when you drive down the street and you see homeless people on the corner holding up signs, you know, your immediately go to is, oh, well, get off drugs or, you know, quit doing what you're doing. But Yet, I'm sure that there is still a handful of them out there that have unique circumstances that have led them to being in that, that predicament that they're in. So again, I think that, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I have a special needs child, so I always am looking through it through that lens. But I think, you know, it really, you know, begs the question, you know, if you could go back and change one of those situations, like how would you do it? Um, or would you even want to? Hi, I'm Shelly. I have a 19-year-old nonverbal daughter. and. Um, my thing that I think a lot about with responses to her is church. And I grew up Catholic and we went to church every Sunday and I tried to do that with my kids. Two of my other kids are in Catholic school. Amy is not, but we would still try to go to church every Sunday and it wasn't working very well. She would have meltdowns, she would cry, we would bring suckers, we would bring blankets, we would bring her tablet, which really isn't that acceptable in the Catholic church. So we quit going. And then I talked to the priest one day saying, we really need to have a glassed in area like some of the other churches do where we could sit, listen to the sermon, be comfortable, but we wouldn't be getting all these looks and we wouldn't be getting, you know, this, why are you here? Because she can't be quiet for mass. And he, um, the best response I've ever heard um, was, I don't care what she's doing. I don't care what she's, what, what sounds she's making. She can cry. Bring her up to the altar. She can sit up there with me or she can sit in the front row. And I'm like, yeah, he says, we are not building a room to house these type of kids in church. They're welcome in church. And I thought, well, now in response to what I wished I would have done is we, we, we go to church when, you know, big holidays. We go Easter, Christmas, the kids have Christmas programs. We go and we take her, but I don't go regularly. And I wish that we would go back and continue to go regularly, but it's really hard because it's an elder, you know, mostly an elderly, well, probably half elderly population and they just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the, no matter what the, the pastor says, and no matter, you know, if he says, just bring her up there, you're not going to be comfortable doing that. She's probably not going to be comfortable doing that. We found the same thing. We we used to attend one of the biggest churches in our city here, um, and we tried to have Cameron in their kids program. They were willing to find a buddy for him to help him kind of navigate all of that. The problem was is they weren't willing to address his needs. Like they were willing to give him a buddy, but it still didn't lessen the, he needs a much more quiet kids program. Like he can't have the loud music and he can't have 60 or 70 other kids in Sunday school with him. And he can't, like he can't do that. And so we don't, we don't go to our church 
either because of that. And and in response to anything, you know, like responses that I wish I had made, I wish I had made our needs more clear to our church. Like, this is what I need for my child. If you can't provide that, then, you know, I understand that. But I would be hoping that you would work because my son can't be the only child in this church that needs this. I have a couple different perspectives if we're just kind of talking about church. My ex and I, we used to pastor a church and having a child with autism while we were pastoring this church, it was our kid that was the distraction while we were up singing or he was preaching or so we totally understood what was going on and he said the same thing to whether it was a baby crying it was our son having a meltdown everybody's accepted here anybody can walk in the doors and that's you know the kind of environment that you should go to when you're going into a house of worship you know regardless of your denomination or religion everybody should be accepted there now my situation has changed but luckily I found the same thing here in a much different environment, a much different church setting. So it hurts my heart to hear that you guys have gone through this because where we're at now, it's a very big church. They have three different services, but they have accommodations too. I think partially because we're not the only family that deals with this. And they have a children's church. My son Elian goes, um, his brother goes. There's also a separate room there for when, you know, it gets too much for them, when the there's too much noise or whatever it is, you know, they have an iPad in there, they have books, they have these big beanbag chairs and they're able to kind of go in a quiet spot where it's their senses aren't overloaded there too and i have to thank the other parents who went there before us that kind of paved that way that did speak out that continued to go and say hey you know what these are our needs we want to continue to come here and you know live as normal of a life as possible but we do have a child that has some challenges so i guess i would encourage you guys to do the same because someone has to speak up and make those changes i want to address something that you said earlier um john right we've all been introduced to each other today as opposed to my first time with morgan who's now 10 and my reaction on the bus the reaction let's be honest was selfish it was like look what your tantrum is doing to me look what your tantrum is the position it's putting me in i loved how it sounded like with your situation at disney world yeah my kids peeing in the pirates of the caribbean (laughs) you know it's just it by owning it by not showing the shame it almost allows other people not to treat it with shame or if they do then it's on them it's like yeah this is the situation we are in this is how we deal i have no shame behind this if you do, okay, you know, you can talk to me about it or you can go on your merry way with your miserable life. No, um, <laughs> like, no but yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I never say it. And I would say that that is a very succinct explanation. That actually is a great explanation. And I could never come up with that on my own. But I will tell you that, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we all protect our kiddos and we feel like when someone's coming at them and we have to protect them. We do the best we can. And sometimes my reactions are inappropriate, obviously. I mean, I'm not a, a super uh, intelligent person, but I've got to try and protect the kiddo any way that I know how. And sometimes we don't get the ability of, of uh, aftersight, right? We don't get the ability to think, oh God, I wish I'd have said this or that or the other thing, but getting better. You guys actually led really nicely into the last question before we um, sign off for today was what could members of our community do to be helpful to us? And Shelly, you had a fantastic point about how you're 
you're right, you know, like in Gerilyn too, about that we have come a long way in a short period of time in terms of community people um, understanding churches being more open to our families because we are different. We have different needs. But one thing, you know, and I couldn't get this guest to come be with us today, but um, she, it was interesting because this was a situation between two parents at Walmart, because I think Walmart is a common theme. I think every child with autism must just loathe Walmart and Costco, I think, are the two. Yes, Costco is the other one. My kiddos just absolutely loathe. But so this was relayed to me. And what was interesting about it is, is I got the benefit of hearing the story from both sets of parents. So the situation was where a mom was at Walmart and her child was completely melting down. And I think it was the cereal aisle because, of course, so many choices, whatever the case may be. And of course, she's embarrassed. She's trying to salvage the situation and it could not be salvaged. And this mom came alongside her and said, sweetie, I understand what you're going through here. Um, My husband's with me. Give him your shopping list and he will go get the things that you need to get. And then I'm going to just block off this uh, aisle so that you just have some time to regroup. I will just, you know, have people go around. And, yeah, um, y'all don't need yeah, cereal. Don't need cereal. <laughs> you don't need cereal. Go on your merry way. Do Deal it. with it on an end cap, people, because y'all don't need cereal. So just, you you can come back at the end and get your cereal. And so she did that. And so, of course, at the end of the conversation, the circle around was how I got both sides of this, was the one mom said to the mom whose child was struggling, you know, have you ever heard of the Isaac Foundation? And she says, as a matter of fact, I do. So they had this wonderful conversation all about me and how fantastic Isaac Foundation is, right? Kind of plug Isaac. Isaac Foundation here. Thank you. Thank you. I got it. I got to make my shameless plugs. But what was fantastic about it was is I both then had both sets of parents contact me after just saying, oh my gosh, I met the most delightful person and what an amazing person that was. And so I got to hear it from both sets of parents perspective. And I thought to myself, wow, if only every situation ended like that. And I know, Christine, you have done that very same thing, trying to be that support person and say, do you want me to shop for you? Do you want me just to bypass people around because it takes it takes that that really horrible situation that you're in and it makes it better and if you've ever been in that situation and you're recognizing it for what it is you want to make it better for that person because you're like okay if somebody had just made it even the tiniest bit better for me and said get your cereal at another time like Right now, this is the most important thing that's going on for this parent right now. You can get your cereal in other times. And it just makes it a little bit better. Like if we could always just make somebody else's life a little bit better. Anytime we have an interaction with somebody, if people just worked to make our interactions a little bit better for each other. I mean, seriously. Well, and I think it... People need to know it doesn't even take something as much as that. It, no. it a, a glance, a smile, yes. uh, I get you, a wink, uh, like I understand, yes. you like know. A, oh, yeah, I mean, it. that has made me feel good many times when I've been by myself with Amy, and it's like, oh, I just can't, I'm not going to be able to deal with this. And you look yeah. around, and people are staring at you, and then you get this person that's like, I get it. And you're like, yeah. okay, somebody gets it. Somebody gets it. Yeah. I think also, too, and, the, and we'll wrap this up here, is that I think that the message that all of us has, too, in this last little segment is that there's power in numbers. That little bit of acknowledgement, that little bit of a nod or a, you know, like, I'm, you know, my heart's there for you. This is a long journey. And, you know, the more support you get just in small little ways makes it adds up to big things. And I think that's part of what this podcast series is about, too, is, is that what we're trying to do is just let the people that are listening to this 
this podcast know that we've all been there. We've had these struggles. And the good news is we've survived them. We've come out the other side and we've learned from them. You know, some circumstances we would change. But, you know, it does, you do get a little bit stronger. Like with Isaac in the early tantrums and now like with I, with, in my later tantrums, I feel like I have like kind of progressed in terms of what my tolerance is and, you know, how I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to be here for a few minutes because this is going to take a while, people. Do you know what I'm saying? But with Isaac, it's like, oh my God, I got to get out of here as fast as I can. I'm just going to leave the cart. I'm just going to leave the cart. We're just going to get out of here. I guess what I would stress to anybody that's listening is, is that there are people out there that understand and that are empathetic and don't give up going out in public because we've all been there. So keep on getting out there and just know that the more people you connect with and have that network of people that get it and understand, um, that I think the easier it is. My life has grown richly from knowing all of the people within my autism network because it really normalizes those experiences. So keep that in mind. So does anybody have any parting thoughts before we sign off on our very, oh, looks like, oh, our our dads want to pipe in. This is great. We had addressed situations that uh, occur in public. One of the things, one of the dynamics that was interesting with us, we had mentioned family, is members of the family that uh, remained in denial after we got a diagnosis. And like, well, it could be this, that. And sometimes you're so close to the situation that you don't want to admit that it's a member of your family. And this family member then went home, they live outside the area, and saw something on his favorite PBS show with his favorite host where in fact his favorite host had a grandson who had autism and you know it was a very interesting story but it was because he removed himself from the closest of the situation and then saw all the similarities that he came back and essentially he it's an it's an androgynous we don't know if it's he or she we uh with an understanding and so i guess what that reinforced is seek education you know if if you don't understand you're a member of the family and sometimes we can't convey the message to you here because we're in the middle of the struggle and we're just trying to keep stuff together. And I would love to try to reinforce this more and educate you more, but I can't because everybody's losing their you-know-what around here. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.